Welcome back to Ravens Recap. Well, that did not go quite as we would have hoped for on Sunday. The Ravens certainly had a chance to win that game, and there was ample opportunities for them to complete the game where they started out behind but came back to have a commanding lead. But unfortunately, there were too many mistakes to overcome in a game between two very evenly matched opponents. And the Ravens are sitting at 6-4 and four with only a few days to prepare for a Thursday night Thanksgiving matchup against Pittsburgh. I guess, how did this happen, guys? What happened on Sunday? I think they got tired. I think that they leaned a lot on their top players because of injuries. And they slowly each got tired. You saw it with bad tackling in the fourth quarter specifically. You saw it with... Uh, I mean, I think Derek Wolf played a great game, but he even said like that last play he wasn't able to get Henry, and he felt like he should have been able to make that play. But he had played so many snaps at that point and been a real hero in the game that you know maybe he just lacked a step. And then from an offensive perspective, I don't know. They were up twenty-one to ten, and then they didn't score until they absolutely had to and fell behind. And I think there's a multitude of reasons behind that. I don't think that was so much the the tired part. But yeah, it yet again, as Derek Wolf said, they cannot put together 60 minutes of football. Yeah, it is frustrating because when you look at it, like I feel like this team's actual record is eight and two. But all that matters is really how you finish the game. Both against Pittsburgh and Tennessee, the Reigns were able to get up to leads in the first half that they should have been able to solidify and hold on to and finish those games. Games that were at home, for that matter, if that matters anything in 2020. But I know that there's a lot of Ravens fans who are really disappointed with this outcome and are starting to wonder if the Ravens are going to miss the playoffs. I mean, that's something that, you know, with this crowded AFC picture, that there's some impatience there, there's some wonderings if... Maybe Greg Roman should be fired after the Steelers game. I guess we'll get to that. We'll get into what went well and what didn't, but I think from a high level, I think there's still a lot of hope for this team, but at the same time, just not all of the same parts on this team are clicking. And as we've said even before the, this kind of bit of a losing spell happened, this team has yet to put together a full four quarters this entire season. Yeah, I think the big thing for me now is that uh, the more – you know, the more film we have on the Ravens, the more we see them week to week. I think the more I can more confidently say that I just don't have confidence in the Ravens. And, and, and by that, I mean, like, they're not the team that they were last year. The strengths, I think some of them are there, but like, they're kind of a shell of, of what they used to be last year. Uh, I think the other thing to keep in mind is that the personnel definitely is not the same as last year. And I, I say that for a variety of reasons. One, obviously, uh, Marshall Yonda retiring, it was a huge loss. Um, there were some injuries that have happened this season, I think, that have changed some things. I think there have been some new pieces as well. And I think the other big thing is that some of these guys who, you know, maybe we relied on to take a bigger step up this year, we just haven't seen. Honestly, I, I think that's the big thing for me is that, you know, maybe coming into the season, I think a lot of us as fans saw the potential and said, like, if everybody reaches their potential, this team could very easily be better than they were last year because it didn't seem like on paper that we lost all that much. And from the potential, it seemed like it would have been easily um, replaced, I think. Um, I think, you know, being 
10 games in at this point, we have, I think, enough to say that, you know, all of that has potential and none of that has translated to the field yet. It still can. Um, but as of this point, it just has not. And for sure, I mean, it's it's a huge disappointment. I mean, you know, a lot of these guys who expect to step up. I mean, I'm sure they expected to take a step up and just haven't. So, yeah, it's frustrating for a lot of reasons. I think the biggest thing for me is uh, if we're talking about players who could step up, I think people have underrated a little bit. I think he has stepped up a little bit, but maybe not to the extent that we've seen is uh, we'll start with the QB, Lamar Jackson. Honestly, from this game, I thought overall, um, I thought he had a good game. It was a little bit up and down, though. Um, You know, again, you know, with Lamar, you know, I, I think a lot of us are expecting him to just kind of take over games and just be a guy who you know, no matter what is going on with the team around him can just sort of take it over and put the ball in his hands and and really like will the team to win. And I I think at this point, uh, Lamar is not that player, at least hasn't shown it consistently. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. It just means that, you know, I I think at this stage of his career still has to rely on some of the guys around him to help him uh, make the plays that he needs to make in order to win the game. You know, it just off the top of my head, I, I thought there were uh, or some really good things from him, like that uh, touchdown pass to Andrews uh, was a beautiful throw. You know, Andrews is running it out. I think Romo called this on the on the broadcast where Andrews is running it out, but Lamar realized that he had a little bit more room to throw upfield and made that adjustment. Andrews saw it, made the adjustment, and was able to make the catch and, and do that. But then, then again, you know, there was another third down later in the game where if Lamar just put a, a little bit more on the ball and thrown a little bit more to the left, uh, Andrews would have been able to make a spectacular catch, but he put it a little bit behind him and that ended the drive, um, which was uh, a pretty recurring theme on, on Sunday. So yeah, overall up and down, at, at least how I saw it. What'd you guys think? I think you're right, Chris. I think there's been a lot of ups and downs and I'm going to take the stance of while all the things you said were true, that you know Lamar missed some throws there, some of his receivers also had key drops, my stance is right now that our play calling is not helping him. I have officially come to the side of the play calling is all wonky. And we've been saying it for a couple weeks that it seems like the team just can't get into a flow. Once they find something that's working, they quickly try to get cute and they deviate away and they lose the flow, which is not hard to do. In football, you have three downs, like to realistically do something, you know, to make the next conversion most times. And one miscue is a lot, <laughs> you know. Uh, we saw it at the goal line or like, you know, in the red zone rather with the weird play with Edwards after Dobbins led them the whole way down. We saw the fact that they ran, I think, 16 out of 23 times on the first down. And the drives that they had the most success in were the ones that they passed on first down. I was happy to see that they did take a couple shots on second and short, but I like to see more of that. And I'm just like going to keep being that drum until I see it now, because like you were saying, Chris, I think this is super critical for Ravens fans, the coaching staff. We are prisoners of our success last year, and we're trying to do things last year that worked. And we're trying and trying and trying and not just admitting this team's different. We can't do that. We must adjust. And we applauded the Ravens last year for making halftime adjustments and midseason adjustments. And it seems like this year they're very stubborn. They're not adjusting. Yeah, I think you bring up a lot of good points right there, Alec. Yeah, second half adjustments will be something we'll, we'll get to, I think, because I, I do think the Titans made a couple that were pretty critical in helping them to have some success where they weren't in 
the first half, particularly in getting something going through the air. But yeah, I've been doing some thoughts on this because I had some conversation with some other fans who felt after the game that uh, if the Ravens don't show up on Thursday, or regardless of whether or not they do, that Greg Roman should be be canned a la, you know, Marty Morningweg or Cam Cameron, if we've seen in the past after that game, um, given given the short turnaround, which I think they probably forgot that uh, there's another Thursday night game after that. So really the big layoff is going to be after that Dallas game. And I think you really hit the nail on the head on what's the issue right now with Roman is... I think if you look individually at this game in a vacuum, they're calling some good plays. There are definitely some plays that worked well. There's some plays that, that didn't work well yesterday, but had the potential to, um, if not for a penalty or for a, a miscue by either Lamar or, or somewhere on the offensive line. But you put it the best I've heard anyone say yet right now, which is just the flow of plays is not there right now. A good play in a vacuum isn't going to do you much good unless you're stacking it with lots of plays that feed in and off each other and are able to get you consistent, sustained drives. And something that was worked really well last year. The Ravens were able to get off to hot offensive starts and able to control the game flow right out of the gate by scoring first on their opening drive. Uh, It's been a bit since the Ravens scored on their opening drive. And just, I think just having those opening drives that go nowhere, just kind of, puts you behind the eight ball to start with and it's just yeah consistency and a and a positive game flow is the biggest thing this offense is missing right now I kind of see what you guys are saying and I think to some extent I agree with you um certainly I mean they're they're the the tendencies for the Ravens to run on first down I think is something that's well known it's continued from last season and I think clearly it's not having the same success this year for a variety of reasons um getting away from that adjusting to that is definitely something I think it's a good idea it should be should be done more maybe there were a handful of play calls and uh, Alec I'm glad you brought that one up about that one I don't know if it was a third and goal play that Edwards was kind of in motion and then came and I don't know if he was supposed to hit uh, block somebody to the right of Lamar or something, but he, it didn't look like he knew what to do, and Lamar didn't expect him to do that. And I'm not sure what the heck that play was, but that was definitely a, a poor play. I wasn't sure what that was, but you know, I I got to be honest, I'm not. I don't know. I, I felt for me, I didn't necessarily have a problem with the game flow. I feel like for me, what I'm seeing week to week now is just guys aren't executing. You know, and I know that like that's kind of like the constant thing is like, is it the coordinator or is it guys executing? But one thing that I would see different, you know, if maybe I'm looking back to 2012, and, and again for listeners, you know, we have the benefit of hindsight here, so we can't really reproduce exactly how we felt at the time. But I felt, at least remembering back now, I, I you know, I would think that, you know, when, when I look at a guy like Anquan Bolden or Torrey Smith, I could point to games that season before. Cam Cameron was fired and be like, those guys are good players. Like there is p- clearly potential here that we have not tapped into. Right. One game I'd point out to would be the September game against the Patriots. Torrey Smith had one of the best games of his career as a Raven. Um, and I can point to that game and be like, you know, that guy showed up in the spotlight and one of the most critical games in his career at that point and produced, you know, he produced the year before 2011, his rookie season in Pittsburgh was another game where he showed up in the most critical moments and was clearly a piece that could be relied upon. 
And honestly, like this year, that's like, I, I'm coming around to being even more disappointed because there's guys like Marquise Brown who like, as much as he had potential last year, it's like this year, he's just every time his number is called, he's just not showing up. So there's no, like if, if leave out 2019 and just focus on 2020, there's like nothing this year for me to say that like I could trust this guy moving forward. And so for me, when I'm looking at that, I'm like, well, maybe it was a mistake for me to say that this guy had potential. Maybe he just doesn't have it, right? Because I'm just not seeing it this year. If, if there was a, a certain type of play that Roman could call that he was really good at and just wasn't calling that play, then I would say like, okay, well, we need to like call that play more. Hollywood needs to get the more uh, plays like that to be able to succeed. But like right now, you know, it's, it's, it's not only him, but it's just a couple other players of like, we try a bunch of stuff to try and get them working and it's just not happening at this point. Like, I'm not sure if a coordinator shift is, is the answer here. I, I'm really not sure what the answer is, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is just a diatribe for me to uh, complain about Marquise Brown, number 15, a little bit, but I'm really like <sighs> wide receiver room is really holding the Ravens back right now. Oh, it's a total disaster. And I want to get right back to it. But I will say this with, with Greg Roman. I think I've I've been shifting constantly over the last couple of weeks about Greg. And a conversation with uh, the 49ers fan we had on last year, Aaron, he's like, I need to know what you think of Greg Roman. And I'm like, okay. And we started talking. He's like, I'm telling you, man, I know how this plays out because it's the exact same thing that happened in San Francisco. He's like, everything you're saying right now is exactly what we were thinking year two. And and year three is going to get worse. <laughs> like um, he's like, and I was like, oh man, you might have be onto something. And he like explained to me when they were watching that season, like the things that they were saying. And I'm like, that's literally what we're saying. Now this could be coincidence, or it could just be the guy. I don't know, but uh, I just want to throw that out there. And I think if Greg Roman is not fired, and we do continue with him next year. We have to have Aaron on because I think we have to do a show all about this and hear his 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 story. Like what what your what's your three gonna look like from his eyes? Yeah, I I'm torn on on the Greg Roman thing because for one thing, yes, I that was well documented going into the season very heavily by people who are not Ravens fans and are looking on the the outside looking in who are fantasy football analysts were saying, you know, maybe don't go all in on the Ravens offense because we don't know what's going on. If, if Greg Roman's going to have the regression he had in San Francisco and as well as the regression he had in, in Buffalo as well in his, with his time there. Where I struggle with it though, I, I think in this particular case, we're running into an, a dilemma between you've got a guy whose who's history doesn't help him. But like, like Alex said, that could be coincidence, different, different organization, different personnel, and at the same time, you've got a franchise that it always seems we, – we go through this so often where it's just like, okay, the offense isn't working. Fire the coordinator. We did that with Matt Cavanaugh. We did that with Jim Fossil. We did that with Cam Cameron, Marty Morningweg. And now we want to do it with Greg Roman again. In that same period of years, there's only been one defensive coordinator that the Ravens had that you could maybe say – was fired. I still don't know if if Dean Pease actually retired and decided he didn't want to retire and go to Tennessee, or if the, if he the Ravens talked him into retiring to to um, save his pride because there was no way they were bringing him back after that debacle 
at the end of the 2017 season. But yeah, you look at the Ravens defensive coordinators. Marvin Lewis left to take a head coaching job. Rex Ryan left to take a head coaching job. Mike Nolan left to take a head coaching job. Uh, <laughs> gosh, who else am I forgetting? Rex Ryan. Did I say Rex Ryan again? Chuck Pagano's the other guy. Chuck Pagano. Right. Yeah. And it's just the way I look at it, maybe in this particular case, if we look at Greg Roman, okay, maybe he is only a one-year wonder wherever he steps up. But the next guy that the Ravens take, assuming Roman's gone, eventually we got to look at, okay, we're always having success with our defensive coordinators. We're always having difficulty with our offensive coordinators. What's the common denominator here? Well, we can develop <laughs> defensive talent, but we can't develop offensive skill talent. So, I mean, I think we're st- regardless of whether or not Roman is the answer or is not, offensive coordinators are going to struggle here, unless they're Gary Kubiak, apparently, until we figure out how to develop offensive players <laughs> outside of linemen and running backs, I guess. I've seen some people call for like, Kubiak to bring back I'm like first off one he's got a job right he's not gonna just like leave that and decide to come here he's already got a job right two why would you want to bring him back (laughs) just like we have one good year with him with Joe Flacco and like I'll admit right that like I wanted him back I really thought that you know 2015 and he if he had still been here like that could have been the year if if Flacco didn't get hurt like there, there was a definite potential here. He maximized Flacco's talent. I really appreciate it for that. But why in the world would you bring him back for Lamar Jackson? <laughs> just makes no sense. Right. And also, if you want to make fun of the Cleveland offense, the Cleveland offense is a Gary Kubiak-inspired offense right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think it's unbelievable. It's, it's one of those things where, like, is it really an upgrade over Roman? And two, I know people complain all the time about how Harbaugh always gets, like, retread coordinators from other teams. <laughs> why would you do that with Kubiak? Like we've ar- we we literally already had him. <laughs> we've done this before. We've done this before. It just it doesn't make any sense. And then other people on the other end of the spectrum are like, let's get Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City. I'm like, that's just that's not what the Ravens do. The Ravens are never going to go out and get an offensive coordinator, uh, some hotshot OC, and bring them in to run the offense. I you know I don't even think it's a good fit to be honest. You know, and then again, I, I'm not sure what the answer is. It might be firing Roman. I don't know at this point. I'm a little unsure. I think even when it does happen, I think it's going to be something that it's it's going to be iffy on. But you bring up a good point, Peter, in that, you know, I think part of it too is just, I think it's just the culture of the Ravens, right? It's just, it's not something that this team has been really good at, developing skill position talent, particularly at receiver. They're fairly good at running back, fairly good at tight end. And I mean, we've got some good guys uh, in those position groups right now, just dealing with a, you know, a little bit of problems in both groups, I think, at the moment. But um, yeah, I don't know. I have one question. If I were king for the day, I would go into the Ravens castle and ask one question. Lead me to the nerds. We haven't heard a lick about the analytics department this year, and I think it's showing. <laughs> I want to go to the nerds office. Oh, they all work from home. I want to know where they are. I want to know why the nerds aren't getting their say. I want to give it to the nerds. If 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 they cut Roman, I want to give it to some random nerd. I want to give it to an algorithm. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm legitimately wondering um, what happened to this analytic prowess. We've seen 0% of it this year. What if they're still doing it? It's just not working. I mean, maybe. Maybe they're not talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're like, the analytics yeah. said we should have done this play, but, you know, it's just... analytics yeah i mean analytics are great but i mean you know doesn't always work as well we just saw that the tampa bay rays made a decision that basically cost them the world series and that 
that final game of the series, they pulled uh, Blake Snell when he was was hot because the analytics said third time through the order, he's probably going to give up a run. And what happened, the reliever they put in gave up the run anyway. So sometimes the analytics work in your favor and other times, you know, it's really just showing you a, a list of probabilities of, of what should happen. So, but I mean, that's a, that's a diatribe of, of a slight contrarian look, but I do agree. Yeah. We heard plenty about analytics last year and yeah, I'm, not seeing anything. I just did a quick Google search as well to see if we missed anything and nothing. <laughs> I just think they're back to like old school football plays. They don't feel to have that like we're going to outs- like outsmart you like or like we're just like we're playing the game by a different set of rules. They feel like they're playing the game by old rules. Should we talk about Marquise Brown? Should we get back to that? <laughs> After all that. <laughs> I don't know. Where 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 did we even go off here? I don't even know. We started at one point and I don't even know where we where we ended up. <laughs> Marquise Brown. This guy he had the drop. Everyone wanted to talk about the drop. I, uh, not a good drop. What's a good drop? What's a good drop? The the drops where you're behind the line of scrimmage, we're about to get the destroyed, and you drop it so you don't lose five yards. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I think was it one of you guys who said it, or did I see it on Twitter? Was Greg Roman on board for Hollywood Brown? I think that's a that's a fascinating question. Yeah, I put that in on the notes. Yeah, Chris asked it. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I, I just said I thought of that because I've, I've been thinking about this. Um, I've been thinking about uh, number fifteen for a while and, and just figuring out like what's like what what's the issue? <laughs> is it confidence? Is it scheme? Is it Lamar's time in the pocket? Too much extra muscle? <laughs> Too much extra muscle? Yeah, it's like is it is it bad for his body? Is he like you know not being he- like not healthy? Like sometimes you know sometimes people put on too much weight. I, I don't know. But yeah, I, I thought about it. I was just like, you know, was Marquise, like, was was Roman excited to have it? Like, was he the number one receiver on Roman's board? Because I, I feel like for me, it's just, if, you know, again, like 2019 was, was totally different. You know, maybe that was just kind of like the offense was fresh and, and everything was clicking because everything was new and people, you know, weren't expecting what the Ravens were going to do. Was he really a pick that Roman was excited about? Because it seems like a year two, it's just no matter what we try to scheme up for him, it's just we're not having success. And I'm just wondering if it's because Roman is just, he's having trouble finding ways to be able to get this guy the ball uh, creatively. Or, you know, whether it's just, you know, number 15, where it's just you know, guys are having issues, things aren't clicking. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we'll ever know, to be honest, but I do think it's kind of like a, an interesting thing to bring up. Just because, you know, I know the the one big comparison when we drafted uh, Marquise was that, look, you know, he's the Tyree kill for our offense. And I think the, the comparisons app, right, are smaller guys, they're really fast, blazing fast, got good hands. Uh, we think that they could really be explosive player uh, in this offense. But, you know, as we've noted, the Ravens have, have never been uh, a team to have uh, truly extended success uh, for the offense, it's just it's not in their DNA. Their their DNA has always been and might at this point always well will be defense. And you know it just seems like that. You know I don't know maybe it could have just been like an Eric DeCosta call where he's like you know hey I want a Tyree kill, but you know maybe the coaching staff didn't realize that like you know as much as we'd love a Tyree kill type player maybe like we're not the team to develop that. <laughs> but but yeah I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on it? I mean, that was Eric DeCosta's first pick as GM, right? 
Yep. 2019 was first, so. yeah. He may have had a bigger hand in that. It might not just been, you know, him pushing for that. It might have just been the staff around him saying like, hey, yeah, this is this is this guy's time to to take over for Ozzy. And, you know, he's been in the wings for quite a while. So he, he knows the makeup of this team and what works with this team. Uh, so, yeah, it could have been. I, I think he might be onto something there. But, yeah, at the same time, though, I think what's interesting is – I don't really feel like Marquise Brown was struggling this year until the Pittsburgh game or after the Pittsburgh game, I want to say, because while he wasn't putting up monster numbers to start the year, it was, it more just seemed like the Ravens didn't really feel like they needed to go to him a ton is what I felt. And when they did go to him, he was usually making the play that he was in, in place to make, but then the Ravens didn't go to him against Pittsburgh and, as we noted after that game, there were some times they could have where he got open. Uh, they just went somewhere else. But then ever since he got frustrated uh, and, and, t- and tweeted out that the tweet that everyone saw, he hasn't had a good game. Like, he didn't have a good game against the Colts. Uh, he had a couple drops there. Uh, he got completely taken out of the game against New England and no catches yesterday, although he did have a a shot to make the game-winning play, which we'll get to um, what that play was and why that failed. But I think that's kind of the the weird thing. Like We've we've been expecting a a breakout game for a while because at the beginning of the season, it just seemed like they were just waiting for a game to use him in that role, but now they just can't get him the ball at all. It's, It's a very interesting situation going on. We all thought it might be a breakout game. We talked about it with Titans fan Tim. I had him in my DFS lineup, and I can't believe I still cashed with that goose egg. Like, <laughs> the, the guy the guy just completely didn't show up. And I think we said, if he doesn't show up for this game, like, should we be very concerned? Well, he didn't show up. We're concerned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's one of the biggest things, right? I mean, he's, we've had tons of good matchups against teams that are supposedly weaker at the position, and we're still not getting that success. And, you know, I'm not putting it all on his shoulders. You know, I really hope he turns it around. It may not be this season. Maybe it might be next season, you know, because we have seen flashes from him from number 15. I think at this point, it's definitely um, he's going to have to rely on his mental fortitude and toughness to be able to kind of get through the slump. Because again, you know, it, it might not be his physical attributes that are holding him back at this point. It might not entirely be them. Let me put that clear. Um, it may just be a product of, of where the offense is today. It might be that next week he shows up with a 200-yard game and three touchdowns. Like, it's it's in the possibility, but he's got to have that mental toughness to be able to take it and not let that spiral out of control and, you know, really derail his career. Well, I think that's a good uh, segue to uh, not make this entire podcast uh, what's up with Hollywood. Uh, excuse me, what's up Marquise. with Brown <laughs> uh, <laughs> podcast and, and talk a little bit about the Ravens as a whole and what's really gone on the, over these past four games. I'm going to include the game against Indianapolis because that game could have very well been a loss, um, but the Ravens were able to do enough right in the second half to avoid that. And I, I think, you know, we're talking about Marquise Brown having to have mental, strong mental fortitude to get through this, this slump that he's going through in his career. And I just really think that if you look at this past four weeks for the Ravens, Mental miscues has been the name of the game and just just mental toughness of getting through these games. 
I think you look at all four of these games, the Ravens very easily could have gone 4-0 and through that stretch. At the same time, they could have actually gone 0-4 and not taken down the Colts if some plays hadn't broken their way. And I think with where they are in the current playoff standings and with the fact that their really only marquee win going forward right now in the season so far has been against the Colts and maybe the Browns. Maybe you can throw the Browns in there since they are technically ahead of the Ravens in the standings in spite of Baker Mayfield still not figuring things out there. God, that's so bad to say. I hate having to say that. That's the timeline <laughs> we're in right now. But <laughs> um, I know. Yeah, I, I just think that what really doomed the Ravens against Tennessee was just some mental mistakes and... I don't know. We can go through them, but what do you guys think? Yeah, man. I mean, there there are a few high leverage plays. I mean, I point out if I'm, if I'm looking at the offense, right? I mean, you know, I thought one play that I, I thought was it could have been one of Lamar's uh, better plays of the night was that deep ball he threw, um, not to number fifteen, but to uh, Devin Duvernay. Um, it was a nice deep ball. I thought Duvernay just kind of uh, stopped a little early for that. He probably should have kept running and been able to make a play on the ball, but you know, unfortunately he kind of slowed down a little bit to try and adjust and a defender intercepted it. That may not be a mental mistake. Um, it may be a little bit of a physical one, but like it's it's a small mistake that is very correctable and just like, look, just attack the ball. Just like literally just keep running on that route and it will either come to you or you will get a PI call or it's incomplete, but it's not an interception, right? You know, one of those is like it's a very correctable mistake. Duvernay's a rookie. He'll probably learn from it and, and things will move on. That was one right there that I thought that would be very correctable. Some of the O-line play, I thought, you know, for the most part, I thought was was actually okay. Lamar wasn't really under duress for most of the game. But then at the end of the game, the O-line just completely misses on a block of Harold La- Harold Landry, of all people. Like, the Titans had to go out and get Vic Beasley and Jadavian Clowney because they had no pass rushers, even though Harold Landry was their starter. But Harold Landry, of all players, got the one sack of the game. It's just from like a mental mistake. I mean, this guy, like, you know, he's just a guy. You know, I, I just I don't understand how they let him of, of all the players be able to, to to get that sack to to rail the Ravens drive in overtime. Yeah, I mean, if I, I know it's maybe a little early, but even going on the d- defensive side of the ball of of that just horrible effort to try and bring down AJ Brown in the fourth quarter, it's just unbelievably upsetting. But like again, all, <laughs> the good news is is that all of these are like completely fixable. But the bad news is that just like it, the Ravens are just making just so many boneheaded plays, and it's not just one area of the team; it's it's everybody. I mean, on the A.J. Brown play, Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, both both of them missed that tackle. And those are like two of the guys, of the strongest guys on the team that you can rely on week in and week out. And this week, just they couldn't get it done. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> it's exhausting. <laughs> it's certainly exhausting, man. It's just all these mental mistakes. Like I, <laughs> I get a migraine thinking about it, and I'm not even the one playing. Yeah, the Titans had a few drops. They actually were helping us out. They, I, I'm curious what their podcasts are saying because, I mean, while they did definitely you know beat us, uh, and and I think they could have beat us by more, um, in a way, if the game went longer, like we were never going to come back, you know, like the physicality difference near the end was very apparent, but yeah, I mean, they didn't play a perfect game either. I would I would just say, the good news is from all of this is I don't want to go too too quickly through it, but the good news is, the running back situation looked much better 
The offensive line had one of the best games yet, despite all the shuffling. And even though Mark Andrews played over 85% of the snaps, he still looked all right and had one of his best games yet. So those are like the, the positives of the offensive side. We talked about all the negatives, but those are the three positives, I think. And if we want to talk about that anymore, we can. Oh, please. Yeah, let's talk about some positives to give, give us some hope. Give us some hope for the rest of this season. Oh, man. You know, it, it, I think, you know, we're focusing so much on the negatives here because the Ravens are in the midst of a one and three skid, but there's still six games to play. 12 and four is still in play, which would most certainly get the Ravens uh, in the playoffs if they do are able to win out, which they could. We've seen this happen before with the Ravens. They have some some skidding in October and early November, and then they're able to right the ship. I mean, especially as the weather gets colder, that eats into the way the Ravens want to play fo- their football, eats into how the Steelers want to play their football too. So we'll see if the winning starts this Thursday or not. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Mark Andrews had a monster game. Whenever he ran a post route, the Titans just had no defense for it. Just all day, that was every route he ran where he got the ball, with the exception of like one, I think. And granted, he didn't have anything where he had to really catch a contested ball, but you know he, he was reliable there, and he's honestly this team's best consistent offensive playmaker this season when the ball's in his hand at, at the moment, outside of Lamar. Uh, but yeah, I mean, other positives, yeah, I, I agree with you, Chris, that the offensive line, while they could have played better, they played well enough for the Ravens to have consistent offensive success. We saw Dobbins finally get another extended look after he didn't get too much of a look against the Patriots, and there were some clean pockets Lamar had to throw the ball. Unfortunately, that interception to Duvernay, one of the cleanest pockets he's had, he've had all season, which makes that play even more of a disappointment. I think an underrated performance in yesterday's game was uh, Ben Powers. I thought, I watching the game rewatch, he really had a strong game, uh, especially in run protection. Not as good in pass protection, but still pretty solid. And then, who was the guy at, starting at right tackle? So Fluker was in there for a bit, but mostly it was... Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Holden. Will Holden, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was in there for a bit. Yeah, he was a basically split time. I don't know what's up with that. I guess I wanted to give him a look. I, I, that's such, so damning on uh, Fluker. We, we were talking so highly of him at the beginning of the year, and now he's like swapping time with Holden. I mean, he really got beat bad <laughs> that game before. I mean, he was. Oh yeah. Was it was it the was it the Patriots game? I think where he got like thrown down by uh, Lawrence Guy or, or somebody. I'm just like Fluker. You're 350 pounds. Like whoa. <laughs> like some something's not right there. If, if you're getting thrown out, either. You know, I get that these guys are strong, but like, dang, got to have been really off balance or something. But I'm keen um, to see with Tyre Phillips uh, being designated to return from IR next game if uh, they try him out at tackle because he did play it in college. And it seems like at this point they're willing to try anything. So maybe, uh, Ben Powers continues to keep his guard spot because we, we've we established he's doing all right, right? He's kind of yeah. earned a starting job. McCary looked good as a center. Skura had nine snaps. He came in and played uh, a lot as... Uh, they, they used him twice, I think, as a sixth lineman. And one time they did the play action, which is what enabled uh, that huge pass to uh, Mark Andrews. So that was kind of a cool look, right? They went heavy, they looked heavy, and then they went down the field. Not heavy. 
Yeah. Like, plus one for Roman. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> we said something nice about you, man. Yeah, I, I think there's some good plays in there. You know, one, one I mean, and again, like, fortunately, there's some negative with this positive, but uh, one of the plays I actually, I really liked, and it looked like it was going to be successful, was that uh, wide receiver screen to Marquise. And it, it was actually a little confusing. I, I'm not exactly sure if it was drawn up this way or <laughs> I, I hope it was but the execution looked a little uh jarring but Lamar got the ball out to Hollywood and it looked like he and Andrews had both gone for the ball at the same time and this is why I imagine it was designed is because they were already in the area together and it gave Marquise a, a lead blocker uh, for him to be able to make some space and and pick up a couple of yards um sadly there was that false start penalty on uh on McCarry to negate that, but it was looking like you'd probably get a, a first down just from the uh, fr- from the yak there. So yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe that's a maybe that is a play that we can uh, give to Mr. Marquise Brown and and have a little bit more success in the weeks to come. But uh, we'll have to see. Oh man, that play! Oh man, just in my rewatch of the game, that was the hardest play to rewatch because I get that. I don't know exactly where the whistle is blown and when the players on the field were cognizant of the fact that the play had been called off, but you saw that play get set up and it looked like that play probably got at five yards at the least, maybe, maybe eight. And there's probably maybe even a, a case where Marquise is able to break that play for a touchdown, but worst case scenario, you've got at least second and manageable instead of that false start penalty and the clock runoff, which not only killed the momentum that the Ravens had over the Titans' defense, but just also just took you out of very favorable field position to a spot where you don't want to be in the red zone trying to get a long play with not much field. But Yeah, it's, it, it's definitely frustrating. Yeah. Again, though, we're talking about the failures of the Ravens' wide receiver room because I don't think the Ravens should have been in that situation at all because Miles Boykin should have been the guy on the field in that situation who we didn't see at all. And instead we got Des Bryant, who does not look like he's in NFL football shape to me. I think he was gassed after that play where he, um, which was a bad play. It was a bad play. He caught the ball behind the line of scrimmage. And if not for excellent blocks by Willie Sneed and I believe Mark Andrews, um, I had that note somewhat. J.K. Dobbins, sorry, J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins made the block there, not at the end of the game, but um, that yeah. that would have been a negative play. <laughs> it was and and Des, I guess, was was he he seemed gassed to me, and he couldn't get lined up in in time, and unfortunately, it was a false start as a result of that. There's ah, I don't know. I had to go on that rant. <laughs> My favorite memory of that play is the fact that we haven't mentioned the way I watched this game live was through um, the webcam of Peter. Because I live too close to DC and wasn't able to find any way to pay money to watch this game, so uh, I went with the uh, webcam strategy. And that one Des catch that he's talking about, I was watching the game at basically like three FPS. So I was like, "Is he quick? <laughs> Is he quick? Did he look quick there?" And then I found it on Twitter, and I was like, "Oh, he ain't quick. <laughs> he looks like a tight end." No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a shame. That's it's kind of what it's come to, right? It's just we. Uh, we don't have guys that the younger guys that we could uh, trust to to be able to make those plays. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure part of it too is like you know, just some design plays for uh, Des. But yeah, I mean, you, you'd certainly like to all these for all these uh, 
balls to go the uh, the younger guy's way. And But yeah, we just haven't had uh, too much extended success with it. The only other thing I want to go back on here before, I think we should transition the defense quickly, but um, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, just like another point to reiterate on of, of, of that play in particular and some of the other ones of like, look, I, I think we're O-line continuity is key. You know, I think a lot of the coaches will tell you that, and you know, I, I think it's one of those things that fans, casual fans, uh, mostly, and even a lot of us, man. I'm not saying that I'm an O-line expert, but I do think that I have a, a little bit more of an appreciation for uh, continuity and O-line play, and I, I think it's huge. And you know, I, I'll say that a lot of you know the issues this year, um, I think, have been in the O-line. I mean, we've. I feel like this year we've had so many more uh, illegal shift or guys not being set or false starts. Just a lot of a lot of these like very correctable, uh, but very you know frustrating uh, uh, penalties to go on some of the guys on the O line. And uh, you know I do think game day experience definitely contributes to that. But all that aside, you know I, I do think the guys had a good. Uh, pretty good game overall. It was just you know a handful of those high leverage plays that you know could have made the difference if they were able to execute, and unfortunately they did. I think it'd be criminal if we don't just briefly talk a little longer about Dobbins. So Twitter went crazy. They called it the Dobbins breakout, and I'm like, guys, we've been seeing this all year, but I'm glad that you're filing on the train. Oh, he already and, had his breakout. That was the I, Steelers, yeah. I agree. But like <laughs> everyone was like losing their mind. He, he must be the lead back. And I think it's worth noting he kind of was. Uh, he got a majority of the snaps. And I mean, Ingram was an afterthought. He played only really in the first half. He only had six snaps total. Kind of a crazy situation. But I think the most interesting piece of all of this is the sub like plot. Not the performance on the field. But Ronnie Stanley, from, sitting from home, chimes in, stop playing with my man, J.K. Dobbins, elite vision. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> this, this man's calling out the fact that we take him out right when he's like, you know, heating up. And uh, I just thought that was worth pointing out. I am super sad that we're not going to see him on Thursday because of COVID. And I really hope that he and Mark Ingram get well. We'll talk more about that, obviously, in the next episode. But man... Finally, like, I feel like yesterday was the game because even though he had great success against Pittsburgh, he wasn't dominating touches like he did on Sunday. Got a pass block, though. <laughs> yeah, that that <laughs> yeah. was a bad pass block. I know exactly the play you're talking about. Yeah, that was not good. Yeah. But you also have to, like, not have a guy flying at you that was a missed block. Like, to be fair, <laughs> that guy was not supposed to be flying at Dobbins. He was supposed to be picked up by the offensive lineman who was falling over. Oh, I know. McCarry, McCarry, McCarry brought it too, but the, but Dobbins uh, like was just like, oh, not not my guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's decision. That's McCarry's guy. <laughs> he almost did seem like he ran away from it. I, I will admit. <laughs> Maybe he didn't want to give him COVID. Stop. <laughs> oh boy. No. But yeah, no. I, Dobbins is going to be one of these players, man. I mean, his potential is definitely there. I hope he becomes a player that the Ravens can lean on for a long time. Yep. Yeah, I hope he recovers well. Yes, we all hope hope Dobbins recovers well. Uh, but <laughs> you, you guys take the transition. I don't know what's going on with me. <laughs> Peter's distracted. I, I'm too. I'm still too heated up on on that 
that terrible blocking on that play. So anytime you guys bring up Dobbins, I, I know that he had a great game on Sunday, but all I can think about is that missed block. <laughs> oh. I'm still triggered. All right. Without any further ado, we got to talk about the defense. And, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that we're probably not trying to make a you know, two-hour podcast for you guys, we probably could complain about this just as much as the offense. But I think we all believe the key is here, the defense can and hopefully will improve just naturally through people getting healthy again. And I want to start there. It was incredibly clear the lack of talent on the defensive line in this game, particularly just the lack of push we got. Even though we contained Henry for the first three quarters pretty decently, it wasn't because we were getting a push. It was super bad. Ellis played almost 80% of snaps because of necessity. And we have two young guys and Matabuke and Washington who just simply weren't making a push. And we desperately need Campbell and Williams back. And it all hinges on them coming back to have this defense excel again, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It was one of those things too, man, for the first three quarters, even up until maybe the last couple of minutes of the fourth fourth quarter, I, I thought the Ravens, particularly in run defense, played as well as they could have given the circumstances. Um, Agreed. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Like the 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 effort was there. They were totally locked in into trying to limit Henry as much as possible. Derek Wolf, man, in particular, had one of like one of the best games that I've seen uh, from him as a Raven. He was just uh, just played with so much tenacity. He looked fired up. He was involved in a ton of tackles. And you know, like you said earlier in the show, Alec, if you know, it, he just ran out of juice at the very end, and he put that on himself. And and which you know, for me, I don't blame him whatsoever for that. I think his effort was entirely noticed. I think he had a heck of a game, uh, but I do appreciate the leadership from him as a veteran player of being like, you know what, I'm going to put that on me. I should have made that play. Those are the kind of guys you want in the locker room, man. You don't want any people to point fingers. You just want people to be accountable and to put in the work and perform to the best of their ability. And I really hope that that rubs off on some of the younger guys. But we talked about it with Titans fan Tim. <laughs> we didn't feel good about it of, of limiting Henry for the whole game. And uh, yeah, it, it looked good for a while. But that last play, I think, is what a lot of people are going to remember. That 29-yard touchdown run to, to seal the game in overtime. Uh, that was frustrating to watch for sure. Yeah, I mean, what's to say that hasn't you guys haven't said already? Derek Wolf just played with a crap ton of heart yesterday. Uh, he knew going into that game that it was just him of the starters, and he most certainly played as well as he could against one of the toughest and definitely probably the most physical starting running back in the NFL. I think from a run perspective, until the fourth quarter, the Ravens basically held Derrick Henry to to what you wanted. It was, I think it was actually the first play of the four, fourth quarter, if not that, the second, when Derrick Henry had his first big run of the game, which really wasn't even that big. It was still like only like 17 yards. But right. f- before that, they were you know limiting him to three to five yards every time he touched the ball. Had several plays where they stopped him in the backfield for a negative gain. And so they kept him in check, and A.J. Brown was pretty much held in check as well for most of, the, of that game. Corey Davis as well, but I just think, yeah, it's it was a tough assignment. You got a beat-up defense playing against a very physical team. Like, we talked about how Derrick Henry was going to wear these guys down. It was just not, not just him. I mean, A.J. Brown and Corey Davis are, you know, they're 
pretty big muscular guys for wide receivers. Like they're not easy to tackle either. So just the defense was just gassed at the end, which was a shame because up until then, I think they put together an excellent game plan for keeping this offense at bay and giving the Ravens offense a excellent chance to win the game. Yeah. And it's frustrating because it was almost the tale of two halves, but really like, you know, the three fourths thing again with the secondary, we talked about the defensive line. I would say Peters didn't look good most of the game, but then you had guys like Deshaun Elliott laying the hammer on Henry and us all going nuts. And then the next, you know, two drives later or whatever, they're all missing tackles and they can't bring down AJ Brown. And you see Queen get driven for like six yards. Like, remember when uh, we saw Mark Andrews block that safety? When I was watching a film study guy talk about that play, he was commenting that Queen was a safety getting pushed out. He ain't no safety, but he he didn't act like he was a linebacker. Uh, (laughs) Just, ah, that was so frustrating. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's something I think we've we've noted for the last couple of weeks now where uh, Queen needs that grown man strength. He doesn't have it right now. Um, and I mean, he's a rookie, so you shouldn't really expect it. I think that's pretty common for a lot of rookies coming in the NFL. They just don't have that NFL level uh, strength yet. But year two, a lot of them do try to put it on. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it would have been great for him to make that play. For me, I, you know, I, I'd say that like, look... <laughs> If Queen held them up and some of the other guys actually made the tackle, like two guys would have been able to bring down AJ Brown. <laughs> you know, I think at that point, you know, Queen was doing what he could, but you know, if three guys have already missed the tackle at that point, then I don't think Queen is going to be the guy to hold off uh, AJ Brown. The other thing too, there was a running back helping to push AJ in, so it was yeah. two two against one. But but yeah, no, I, I mean, it was definitely up and down. I will say the uh, some of the some of the bright spots too. Uh, I started watching in the second quarter, and I, I thought that the pass rush had looked pretty good. I know there was that play where Queen uh, did blitz up the middle. He forced that interception. Tyus Bowser got and ran back for a couple of yards. That was a pretty good play. I really liked uh, how that play was called. I thought that some of the uh, outside linebackers were having some decent success early on in the game. Back when the Ravens were kind of up and forcing Tannehill to throw more often. Nagakwe had that uh, strip sack, which didn't look like one. It was it was probably the lightest uh, strip sack you've ever seen before, <laughs> but but it still counted. We double checked that for my bull prediction, uh, but that happened. And, uh, and Judon had a pretty good, uh, pretty good sack at one point too. But yeah, as as the game got on, it got closer. They got to rely a little bit more on Henry. I think that's kind of where the game started to fall out a little bit of the Ravens' hands. Of they couldn't blitz as much. They couldn't do what they wanted to do as much. Um, they just kind of had to, to to hold on. And unfortunately, the game is just a little bit too long for them to do that. I would like to point out that great play, like you mentioned, where Queen got that pressure, but critically, um, the deception of having Bowser not rush. Uh, you know, he was lined up as if he might, but then he dropped back into coverage. I think Tannehill didn't see him because the pressure came so fast. He let the ball off to one of his reads that he thought would be safe. And that's what resulted in an interception. So often we find ourselves getting interceptions that are kind of manufactured, right? That was like a manufactured interception. It wasn't because um, they played some tremendous like break on the ball. It was manufactured by being like, well, we think that they might do something like this. So we'll pressure him such so fast that he thinks that it might be safe because of the look we gave. But reality was not. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. I think they saw something on tape with that play because uh, Queen just ha- had a wide open lane there. It seemed like the Ravens knew that that hole was going to be there. And then you had not just Clark uh, blanketing Johnny, but then you had Bowser and McPhee both fake rush and drop into coverage. And then at that point, it was just like you got you got Queen in, in Tannehill's face and three guys covering Johnny. It was like there was like no way it wasn't going to be an interception at that point. I think it was one of the best drawn up plays the Ravens have had on defense this entire year. And I think that's again, it's just another thing that makes the loss so frustrating is because you had pass plays really well defended. Ngakwe had an excellent game rushing the passer. Uh, not as much in the second half. The Titans did make some good second half adjustments to limit that, but. I think we can nitpick with the defensive side of the of the ball. I think really I got to give the loss, put it more on the squarely of the offense, just struggling to, to fully put the Titans away. Yeah, I mean, the two biggest things for me were that uh, the last drive where the Ravens ended up kicking that field goal, uh, they needed to end it there, to be honest. When, when I saw them settle for the field goal, I was like, you know, the Ravens have to get the ball back here, and they did, uh, but then it was a three and out. At that point, it, you yeah, know, it, it just—I think it was out of hands. It was, it was kind of like the Patriots game where I looked, you know, the rain was falling down in the last drive, and they were just like, "Like, pack it up, guys! You just aren't coming back from this." And you know, yeah, it's it's frustrating for sure. I mean, it feels like we're back in 2017 and 2018. Some of those really close uh, nail biter games where you know it seemed like the Ravens just couldn't win a single one. But uh, yeah, I think you know the biggest biggest takeaway for this game going forward is like, look. Sadly, you guys couldn't get the monkey off your back and you couldn't avenge your playoff loss from last year. And that sucks. It sucks for the fans. It's, I'm sure it sucks for the players. They have a lot of pride. They don't like losing to a team that embarrassed them last year and embarrassed them again at their own uh, twice at home. And, uh, you know, they got to find a way to... <laughs> I mean, one, they got to find a way to win their next game. Uh, but two, they got to find a way to be able to just like recover mentally and just focus in on this next game of like look this sucks but you got the Steelers coming up and they're undefeated I don't think you're gonna win the division right but that being said you better show up and you better try to knock these guys off a peg and get your next win and uh that's gonna be absolutely key for these next couple of days is for the Ravens to to dial in and put their best showing forward next Thursday well Chris you ended that perfectly that was such a perfect ending to the show that was about a not perfect game and we gotta move on to the next one we don't have much time to think about it only uh four days to go until kickoff and uh we're in COVID protocol so no in-person meetings who knows if they'll even play the game it looks like they're gonna try to so let's talk about it tune into the next episode where we discuss this critical game for the ravens one that we all hope they win because yeah, they could go 11-5, and five, and it seems reasonable if they don't win this game, but that is not the position you want to be in to have to win out. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of football teams that could show up and steal our lunch, so to speak. So let's get a big win. Follow us, Ravens underscore recap on Twitter. Email us, feedback at ravensrecap.com. We're going to go right into the next one. What do you think is going to happen, guys? 